scripture that we're looking at for uh, this sermon this morning comes from uh, the prophet Malachi from chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. This is God speaking uh, to his people, and uh, it's not an easy word for us to hear, but an important word for us to hear as we consider what we are offering to God. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not bear, fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. There's something very unusual about that Bible passage from Malachi, something which causes it to stand out from the rest of the Bible. God says something in that passage, which I just read, that God does not say anywhere else in the Bible. God encourages his people to do something in that passage, which he discourages elsewhere in the Bible. In fact, God explicitly forbids us from doing this one thing in any other context. But in the context of this passage, he says, go ahead and do it. Do you know what that is? To test him. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts in Malachi 3.10. Everywhere else in the Bible, we are told not to test the Lord your God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah, so says Deuteronomy 6.16. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, affirmed Jesus when he was being tested by Satan. Over and over again, God's people were criticized for testing him rather than taking him at his word and being obedient. Even today, we are taught from a young age that God doesn't take kindly to being tested. But there is one area in which God wants to be tested, one area in which God specifically invites and encourages us to test him. The tithe. The full tithe. Meaning 10% of all that you produce. This is what the entire verse of Malachi 3.10 says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Welcome to stewardship season. This is the time of year when we ask you to prayerfully consider your commitment to the church for the coming year. What will you offer to God and to the church in terms of your prayers, your presence, your service, and your witness? 
What will you offer to God and to the church in terms of your financial gifts? What should we offer? That's the theme for these two weeks. It's the question that we all ask ourselves, what should we offer? How much seems right? What does the church need? How is it being used? How much are others giving? What is needed from us? All of those good and legitimate questions, they all play into our decision about what kind of pledge we will make. This church has been blessed with a great finance team, a great stewardship team, a wonderful staff, all of whom I'm sure can help address some of those questions for you about how we've managed over just a little over a year to trim almost 25% from our budget, being as frugal and responsible as possible about how the staff and board are prioritizing the, youth of our, the use of our resources in ways that will help us grow the church, about how closely we monitor our giving trends and how carefully we plan for the future. I'm thankful for all the people who have their eye on these things and can share all that information with you in other settings. In the context of the sermon, though, in relation to the preaching moment, there's only one way I know how to talk about this. It's the same way that the Bible talks about it, and that is to talk about tithing. The invitation and expectation of the people of God to offer the full tithe. And this is the question I want us to consider today. Are you tithing to God, or are, are you offering God a tip? Are we tipping or are we tithing? in our offerings to God. It was pointed out to me in relation to that title, tipping or tithing, that tipping standards are now usually 20% and the tithe is only 10%. So from that perspective, tipping is way more. I will give you that. But tipping is based on a fairly limited expense, whereas tithing is based on your entire income. So we're talking about significantly different amounts here. 20% standard aside, here is what I mean by tipping. When you're tipping, you're tossing in a few extra dollars that isn't really going to make any impact on your budget. If you can afford to go out for a $200 meal, then you can lay down an extra $40 for the service, and you won't even be thinking about it by the time you get home. That's what I mean by tipping. And let's face it, lots of Christians are tipping God. If I have a few extra dollars at the end of the week, I'll toss them in the plate and say, nice job, God, keep up the good work. If you haven't considered giving sacrificially in a way that forces you to rearrange your budget, then you might be tipping God. If you give only when you feel like it, when you think that God or the church has earned it, then you might be tipping God. God doesn't have to do anything to earn your tithe. The fact that you even exist in the first place is enough for God to deserve your tithe. The fact that you have life and breath and food and water and shelter should be all that it takes for you to want to tithe. And not just when you have it, not just when you feel like it, but always to plan ahead, to adjust your budget, to set aside the first fruits. 
We need to talk about numbers here because without that, it's easy to keep this all at a theoretical discussion level without considering real implications. When you read Malachi, it's clear that God wants us to look at real numbers, consider real implications. So I want to look at the numbers and then consider those from a biblical context. A recent Mission Insight report for the region around this church shows that the average annual household income for this area is about $126,000. That's the average of the households in the area in which most of our church families live. Obviously, some are much lower than that, some are much higher than that, but that is the average, $126,000 per household. Now, I'm working on the assumption that the average annual household income for the households within this church will be about the same as the average of the neighborhoods around us. I know that's an assumption, but I think it's a fairly safe assumption. So take 126,000 to be the average annual household income of our congregation. What then would be the average annual tithe? If all the households in our church were offering the full tithe, the average household tithe would be $12,600. $12,600 a year per household. That's the average. Now, again, many many will be less than that. Some will be more than that. But they will average out to $12,600 per year. That's $1,050 a month. That's $242.30 per week. Now let's consider this, this chart that was on the, uh, the mailing that, that came out. This is the current giving by household in this church. And let me say, I haven't looked at the names. I don't know who is where on this chart, but this chart shows how many households are at each level of giving. How many give less than $5 a week? How many give 50 to 75 a week? How, how many are giving 150 to 200 a week? The top step there is everybody giving $200 or more per week. Households giving or more in a year are on that top step. And as you can see, there are 19 households giving at that level. That's 6% of the congregation. Now remember, if everyone were tithing, the average average would be $242.30 a week. 6% of our households are close to or above that level of giving. 6%. Now let me be very clear to say just because you're not on that top level does not mean you're not tithing. If your household income is $50,000 a year and you're giving $96.15 a week, then you are tithing, and I celebrate your faithfulness in that. But if we as a church took the biblical standard of tithing seriously, then we would have way more than 6% of our congregation on that top step. Now let's multiply that out some more. This chart represents 310 households currently active in the church. If you take the average income of those households to be $126,000 a year and all of our church were tithing, our faith giving would be $3,906,000 a year. Can you imagine the ministry this church could do with $3,906,000 a year? I can tell you our discussions in the finance meeting and around the office would be a whole lot different if we had a $3.9 million budget. Right now we're looking at uh, a little under $1 million 
in faith giving this year. As a congregation, we're at about one-fourth of a tithe. Now, I know some of you are saying, wait a minute, that's not fair. I give the full tithe. I just don't give it all to the church. There are a number of other charitable organizations I support. I divide my tithe between them. Okay, I get that. But I have to go back to the scripture and tell you what it says there about how this is supposed to work, and then you can make your decision based on your own Bible study and prayer. Listen again to Malachi 3.10. This is God speaking here. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. This word of God was spoken to the Israelite people as a community, a community of faith. This was their obligation, not just to charity in general, but specifically to the temple, for the ongoing work of the temple, of the faith community. And it wasn't about giving to the religious system for the sake of keeping the system going. It was about giving to the religious establishment so that they could carry out their God-ordained mission. And the God-ordained method for doing that is through the tithe bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, says God. My house. He's talking about the temple. He's talking about the church. That's his concern in these instructions, caring for God's house so that God's house will be equipped to care sufficiently for all those who are part of it. That's not to say there aren't other good causes out there doing good work, but the tithe and the full tithe at that is intended to fill God's house. God's people were still expected to give alms to people in need. That was above and beyond the tithe. They were still expected to leave the edges of their fields for gleaning. That was above and beyond the tithe. Whatever you harvest, you bring a full tenth of that into the storehouse of the temple. And when you make excuses for not doing that, I'm sorry to tell you, but God says it directly in the Bible without mincing words, you are robbing God. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are robbing me. But bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And here's what God says will happen when we are faithful in that tithe. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now I want to be careful as we interpret that verse that we don't misuse it. Western culture tends to think in very individualistic terms. We read the Bible as if it's all meant to be God speaking to me directly, personally. So you might get the idea that God is making this promise to you personally, that if you give the full tithe, then God will pour out material blessings upon you. That's not what this verse means. God was speaking to the entire nation here, the entire community of faith. He was promising them that as a community, if they brought the full tithe to the temple, then he would pour out his blessings upon 
the community, upon the temple, upon the church, that if they were faithful in bringing the full tithe, there would always be enough. There would be no one left in need because the faith community would have enough to meet every need within it. And isn't that the truth? God challenges us to test him in this, but we don't even need to test it to know that God is right. If this church had $3.9 million a year in faith giving, we would be able to meet every material need among us. There would be no more need within the church, at least when it comes to things that finances can provide. There would always be food in God's house. And that's just based on the ones that are already here. When you consider how God blesses and multiplies everything we offer to him, it's hard for us to even imagine all the needs that would be met, all the ministry that would be accomplished, all the lives that would be changed, all the souls that would be won. If we would take God at his word and test him on the one thing he invites us to test him on. When we sit in meetings and people say, we just don't have enough people to make the budget work. What I want to say is, it's not that we don't have enough people, period. It's that we don't have enough people willing to take God at his word and put him to the test by bringing the full tithe into the temple. I don't say that in those meetings. But I can't not say that in the pulpit because it's the biblical truth. I was a college student when I heard a stewardship sermon that convicted me and convinced me that of the truth of, of the biblical tithe as being God's standard and that I needed to get to that point. But I was a poor college student, racking up debt very quickly. Tithing at that time was unimaginable to me. Yet I knew that I needed to get there. So each year, I took a, a step up in my giving to get just a little bit closer to the tithe. And throughout seminary, I did the same thing, adjusting my budget every year, every bit that I could so that I could get a little bit closer, give a little bit more. My last year of seminary, I finally got to the point where I was giving full tithes to the church. I received my first appointment that year as an associate pastor. One of the first things that my new senior pastor said to me was, I expect all of my church staff to tithe. I was very thankful in that moment that I had made that commitment years earlier to grow into the full tithe. Because when he said that to me, I didn't feel put on the spot. I didn't feel like I was placed under undue pressure. I, I didn't feel like an unmanageable weight was being placed upon me. I was able to say, yes, sir, without any hesitation, without any duplicity, without any worry about whether or not I could live up to that expectation. I was joyful because I knew I was being faithful. I can tell you that the tithe that my wife and I give now is a lot more in terms of dollars than it was straight out of seminary. And with having the family that we have, there are a lot of other things we could do with that money. But we would not consider not giving the full tithe because God comes first even before the kids, even before each other, certainly before ourselves. 
Our offering is not a tip that we add on after we've done everything we want to do to indulge ourselves. It's the first fruits. It's an acknowledgement that life itself is a gift from God, that everything we have is his. And 10% of our income, while it might look like a lot in terms of dollars, is minuscule in comparison to all with which God has blessed us. I'm telling you, folks, 10% is a bargain. Now, because we give our full tithe to the church, there are times when we have to say no to other things, to other charities. And as we continue to grow in our stewardship and as the kids continue to fly the nest, I pray that we'll be able to increase our giving in other ways, but it won't take away from our tithe to the church. That's our conviction of what God expects. I understand there are some that don't see it that way. For some, as long as the money is being used for the good of others, that's of God, and so that's part of your tithe. I get that. It's not for me to tell you you're wrong if you have studied and prayed on it, but it is for me to preach what I believe is the biblical standard. And the biblical standard, as I understand it, is a full tithe to the church. There are some of you, not all, probably not most, but some who have been blessed to the extent that you could give a full tithe to the church and another full tithe to other charities, and you still would not have to adjust your lifestyle too dramatically to do that. If that's the case, God may be calling you beyond the tithe. Indeed, I know some of you already are giving beyond the tithe, and I thank you for not putting a cap on what God can do through you. Some of you might be in a place that I was during college where you want to tithe, but you just don't see how that's possible right now. If that's the case, then just be faithful in taking that next step. Pray over your budget and ask for guidance in making the changes necessary to get just one step closer, knowing that God will bless that effort, trusting that God will ultimately bring you to that place of financial freedom where you can offer the full tithe. Some of you are still unsure what you even think about the tithe, but you love God and you want to support your church. Listen, if every single household in this congregation gave even three and a half percent to the church, we'd be able to do everything that's in the budget right now. $75 a week from every household would give us a balanced budget. Can you add one more percent? Can, can you take one step up to that next level? I truly believe God's already given us all of the people of this church, everything that we need to do everything that he is calling us as a church to do. The question is, will we continue tipping to God or will we place God first by giving him and his church the full tithe? Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, you have given us so much. You have blessed us so beyond our deserving, given us all that we need for fruitful life and abundance of joy. Lord, thank you 
for those blessings that you have poured upon us. Forgive us, Lord, for when we take those blessings for granted, for those times when we are tempted to think, I did this on my own. For there is nothing in this world we can do on our own, Lord, but only that for which you have given us the strength and the talents and the breath itself. Oh Lord, may we be convinced of your priority in our lives. And may we show that priority in every way, most especially through our pocketbooks, which is often the last part that we're able to surrender to you. But Lord, we want to be able to surrender all because you are a God of life. You are a God who just continues to pour out blessings upon us. So we pray, Lord, that you will give us that wisdom, give us that insight, help us to do what we need to do, to follow that call that you have placed upon us. And not just as individuals, Lord, but as a church, that this church would truly be your storehouse of blessings ready to pour out blessings on all who are in need. Lord, we know this can be done not because of us, but because of you. Because of you working within our hearts, changing our lives so that we might be able to change the lives of others and bring the hope of the gospel to all people. Pray this in Jesus' name.